What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Budget Minded Traveler podcast, episode 29. Welcome to the Budget Minded Traveler podcast, your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part, it won't break your bank. And now, the Budget Minded Traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen. Hey guys, welcome to episode 29 of the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. Hope you're doing well today, wherever you are. Thanks so much for tuning in. I am excited that you're here because this is a really good interview that I have for you. Um, As as a traveler, and especially as a blogger, I have heard almost every excuse that there is that people love to give of why they can't travel. Um, Not that it's what I want to hear, but people offer that to me anyway. Um, I don't want to hear why you can't travel. I want to hear how you're making it happen. Um, And on that note, the interview today is with someone who has used corporate America to travel. And what I think is so great about her situation is that she's not using her career as an excuse not to travel. Instead, she's leveraging it as a means to travel. And she breaks down the formula of basically how she made it happen and how you can make it happen. And I don't want to make you wait anymore for this interview. So we'll go ahead and get right into it. Okay, I've got Julie Smith on the line live from London, right, Julie? Yep. London. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm good. It's actually nighttime here and daytime there. So, That's right. You know. Yep. We've got a bit of a time difference here. Yeah. It's seven, a balmy seven degrees outside in Montana right now. What do you guys have over there? Okay. Here it's about in the mid fifties and oh. raining Okay. Um, and dark. So well, it kind of sounds like London, but at least it's yeah. warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you are here because you so you actually contacted me and said, hey, I'm an expat living in London. And I said, hey, we need to chat because this is the type of thing that's like, well, how did you get there? What's your story? I mean, I know you're an American. You have an American husband, right? Yeah. Yeah. And a dog, which is obviously He's important. American. <laughs> yeah. American too. <laughs> so what is your story? Like, what is your background and what are you doing in London right now? Okay, so I am, unlike some of your other guests, I guess, I'm a kind of typical American corporate employee. Mm -hmm. I've been working in marketing research for years, and I was asked to come to London to for work so specifically for a work assignment and that's what being an expat actually means um and i previous to this i was living in new york city but 
as we like to say, very few people are actually from New York City. I'm from <laughs> Indiana. My husband's from Maine. We were in Maine before New York, and then we came to New York, and now we're in London. So this is all work, I guess, work-related travel. Mm-hmm. But about a year and a half ago, we were asked to take this assignment, and we are here for probably uh, two to three years, depending on how things go. And then hopefully we'll go other places after this before coming home. Yeah, hopefully you can get a bit of traveling in first. I bet you've already done a lot of it though, right? Oh my God, so many. We, I just counted actually this year alone, 2014, we've been to 12 new countries in Europe. That's awesome. Good yeah, for you so guys. Easy. It's just so easy from here, you know? Yeah. It, if you're in Western Europe, especially almost anywhere, it's like a springboard. You just, you can just choose anywhere and just go for a weekend even and... Yes, yeah. totally yeah, worth it. A weekend, it. a weekend. Yeah. I mean, um, we were in uh, Dublin a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it's a forty-five minute flight. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's like when living in New York, it's like flying to Boston, I guess. Right. The, you know, it's just like so close. And I keep talking about the distance difference with the U.S. and Europe, and my I think my parents are sick of hearing about it. Just how close everything is. Yeah. And, you know. But yeah. that's like definitely the benefit, the number one benefit of living here. Definitely. No, that's I always I recommend. I mean, the best way to experience Europe is to have a home base where you can live and experience, you know, one of the cultures and then go from there and just bounce around, see as many places as you can, because it's so easy once you're there. Yeah, it's so easy. And, so, you know, London's easy. Right. Yeah, yeah. A big hub. Yeah. Um, did you travel much before this trip? Yeah. Well, okay. Not as much as I guess you probably, I mean, I had been to Europe on vacation maybe Mm -hmm. five or six times. Um, my husband and I had also taken one six week trip to Southeast Asia, um, a few years ago and we had both taken leaves of absence from work. Nice. Um, but So coming to London wasn't totally off the mark. It wasn't as scary. I mean, we have now lots of other expat friends who've come from all kinds of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so coming to London specifically, if you're going to make a kind of international move like that, is relatively simple because of the language. Right. Just period because of the language. But um, also coming from New York to London was not that big of a deal because of the size of the city. So all in all, it was a, the easiest move we could have made. But mm-hmm. we did have, I mean, as, as I said, like, really the reason I took the assignment was to travel. Well, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like the bonus is, oh, yeah, I get to work and live here. But like, yeah. really the reason. Is- and still get an American paycheck, which just makes it simple with taxes and everything, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, I definitely want to dive into that. But you just said something that kind of piqued my interest Um, when you took your six week trip to Asia and you guys both took leaves of absences. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Because to me, like this is something that does not compute in my head when when a job tells someone, no, you can't leave, you know, I mean, I, I get that people get two weeks of vacation, which is horrible, I think. But um when it comes to just leaving, you know, like, did you, you didn't get paid during those six weeks, did you? No. So yeah, 
Okay. And actually, this is something that is really accessible to most people, but I think very few people would take advantage of it. Now, my company and my husband's company, not, neither company have any kind of written had any kind of written policy about taking time off. Okay. But we both work for relatively small companies, so I went up to the you know like head of my division and I said, "Hey." I have this idea. It was six months out. And I said, in six months, I'd like to take a month off unpaid and travel. Mm -hmm. Um, You're welcome to think about it. But just so you know, it's something that I really want to do. And tell me what you think. And that was it. And I don't know, an hour later, he came over and he said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. (laughs) I mean, it was six months in advance. Mm So it's hard to, you know, it's, and I'd been there for a few years. Like I knew everyone, you know, it was, um, it's a really friendly, it was a friendly atmosphere, Mm -hmm. but it was not like, oh yeah, every, you know, this is normal or anything like that. Right. Okay. I mean, see, that makes sense to me. And I love that you took the initiative to just do it and say, Hey, you know, and do it in a respectful way, you know, think about it. This is what I would like to do. You're giving him tons of notice. Um, and, and you made it happen in the end. And so did your husband. And I think that that option is just missed by a lot of people. Like they don't understand that they can leave, um, you know, and obviously you're not getting paid. So that's a sacrifice. You yes, have to plan definitely. around that. Yeah. But still, it's an option. I love that you did that. Yeah. And actually, once we did it, we were shocked how easy it was. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't think that anyone would say yes. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't expect it to happen so easily, but it's amazing when you just ask for something kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what you can get, you know? Yeah. And because you and your you and your husband both were approved leaves of absence, yeah. right? Yeah. Within like a day. That's amazing. And that's we said, awesome. oh my gosh, I guess we're going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Okay. So then are you still with the same company? Uh, no. Okay. So different I actually moved companies. So my husband and I were living in Maine at the time Mm -hmm. in Portland. Um, and I had this aspiration that someday I wanted to live abroad, but my company was pretty small. It was locally based, you know, we had, it was decent for Portland, but not an international conglomerate, Mm -hmm. so to speak, that has offices all over the place. And I said to myself, listen, if I want to ever live abroad and have someone else pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um I need to be position myself to be in a company where that's even possible. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, most major companies in the US are of that size. So, if you work for any kind of large company, it's likely there's already an international presence or if you work for a smaller company that has international Um, aspirations that might also be a good fit but I moved companies kind of with this in the back of my head that eventually I was hoping the stars would align I guess and that something would happen right so if if there were a formula for this this would probably be step one you have to put yourself there first yeah and then what comes next do you have to work your way up how long did you put in to this company Yeah, yeah so um in, okay, so with my company, it really varies, I would say. So first thing is to know that in this day and age, most big companies are already well-established in most major markets. 
So back, let's say, 15 years ago, when U.S. companies were just opening offices in all these major cities, the kind of common practice would be you ask people to go and help open an office. Okay. Now, in this today, that's less common because now all those companies that did that have their working office in Paris, let's say, Mm -hmm. with all their French employees, local employees that they've hired locally that now work in that office. So there's at least of the people I know who've done this, it's been less about opening an office and more about helping out in a location. So in my case... In or my company, the opportunities of being an expat, like a sponsored expat, and we can talk about what that means, mm-hmm. um, is I would say maybe not like soup, like first job, like people right out of school, but I don't know, a few years maybe that kind of level of experience where you know it really depends on the market. Like I know currently my company's Shanghai office needs someone at a certain level, and it's several levels below where I am. Mm. So it's not like, you know, it's necessarily a seniority thing. It's really like this office is really busy right now and we don't have enough people. Can someone come over and do a short-term assignment in Shanghai for four months? Gosh, I love it. I know. (laughs) Live in corporate housing Uh and then go back to where they're from. Yeah. So – it's less about seniority. Now, to get a full expat position, which is like a couple of years, mm-hmm. it requires you to commit as the employee to that kind of time. And um, as people get older, some, you know, kind of weed out people who even want to do something like that. Like I have a lot of friends who wouldn't really want to move here mm-hmm. just because they have kids and they have houses and they just don't want to deal with it. So there's probably less competition for these types of roles as I grow through the company because I'm in my 30s and there's just fewer people who are willing to go to Shanghai, for instance. Mm-hmm. So This is um, amazing. Um, can you share what your company is or do you not want to go there? Um, no, it's okay. Um, I work for Nielsen, which in the U.S. is known maybe for TV ratings, but it's a massive company. So okay. we do tons of other things, but it's all kind of – um, data related analytics, that kind of thing. And there are some really big clients who are, um, headquartered in the UK, which is why I'm here. Right. Okay. And what kind of other companies off the top of your head, um, you know, do your friends work for and like what, what, what other companies can get people abroad? Yeah, sure. Just rattling off. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Google, Facebook, they're all have huge offices here and they shuttle people around Mm -hmm. a lot. I have a friend here who works for just a normal financial services company Mm -hmm. from New York, but they were um, expanding their office in London. Um, I know a couple of people who worked in Asian countries who are in kind of energy. So like G, you know, like some of the big energy companies have Mm. huge offices in Malaysia, for instance, Um, big consumer goods companies like the Procter and Gamble's. The Unilevers, those huge companies, they all have big offices in Singapore, and all of the banks are in Hong Kong. So if you are in any of those sectors, it's likely that your company already has a huge office in Hong Kong, for instance. Mm -hmm. And the next step, if you're within a company like that, is making it known that you're open to a move. Yes. Um, So that's... And how did you do that? Well, I think I just um, 
in my annual reviews with my boss, I would say, you know, if there's ever an opportunity that comes up, think about, think of me or forward it to me. Mm-hmm. We do. I mean, most big companies have some kind of internal job postings anyway, but to know that a position is available for someone out of country is not always obvious. Okay. So, um, in my case, there was a client in the UK that really needed someone specific with specific ex- experience and someone asked me about it. But prior to that, I had bis- received a couple of like my boss would say, hey, are you interested in a short term assignment in China? This happened a couple of times mm-hmm. specifically with China, but it was always at like weird times where I couldn't leave for three months to go do it. Okay. Um, it depends a little country by country, too. I think some companies have, like, programs to move people around the world, like kind of management training programs where they might move you to Europe for a, a stint and yep. then to Asia for a stint, and then eventually you get your final placement somewhere as well. But that would probably be for people a little younger than me or, like, kind of one of those more of a training program after school or after business school or something like that. Hmm, Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great because that includes fresh college grads and we know there are a lot of them who want to travel, you know? Yes. Yes. Awesome. So your company knew you were interested in moving and they eventually approached you with this opportunity. Yeah. And what did it include? I mean, did they say at least three months, but, you know, maybe a year to three? Or was it right off the bat, one to three years? How did you know about the moving expenses? Like, what did all that look like? Yeah. And so I'll just speak from my experience because yeah. I know this varies somewhat. Right. But basically what happens, the whole theory behind being an expat is that a company is asking their employee to do them a favor, to move to this place to, you know, back in the day, open this new location. And it wasn't always places people wanted to go. So, yeah, I'm in London and that's amazing. But, like, <laughs> you know, maybe I wouldn't necessarily want to move to middle of nowhere in Turkey or mm-hmm. some, you know, whatever. So if you think about it in that way, the company is kind of on the hook to try and make it be as seamless as possible for the employee. So, for instance, one thing that usually happens is if you move to a place that has a radically different cost of living, your salary will be increased to kind of match what it would have been, what it will be in that new location. So if you went from Cincinnati, Ohio to London, there's a huge cost (laughs) of living difference. They'll probably boost your salary quite a bit. Um, If you have kids who are in public school in Cincinnati – those kids need to be put into school in your new location, and it might be a foreign, uh, like a foreign language. So they would probably pay for your kids to be in an American school in wherever. Okay. Yeah. Or you know help cover the costs in some way. So a lot of it is just, you know, instead of my company asking me to move to San Francisco, they're asking me to move to a place which has a really different structure. And so therefore, they need to try and make it as easy for me as they can. Right. So that isn't I mean, so it's a little cushy in that. Yes, they they paid for um, most, I guess, of my moving expenses. Um, Now, I moved from New York to London. So the cost of living really is high and high. So yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> that's not like that much of an exciting 
part of it. I don't have <laughs> kids, so that wasn't part of it. But I do have a dog. Right. I definitely moved... want to hear about that. Yeah. So we moved him here with us. And um, now the thing is, if you think about this kind of this theory behind it, not everyone has a dog. So does that mean that my company should pay for me to move my dog, but so-and-so doesn't have a dog and therefore doesn't incur that expense? So there's a little bit of like fairness involved. So what my company does is they give you like a little chunk of money to cover anything else that is different. So mm. that's what we use to help move our dog. And did you, where where was your dog on the plane? Uh, he was underneath. Oh, he was. He's a, he's a beagle. So he's like a little too big to be like a lap dog. It was so sad. Oh I my mean, gosh. we had to like recreate train him. <laughs> it was like terrible, but. I just like suffered through that flight. No then, kidding. But he was fine, right? Yeah. Maybe a little traumatized. Oh, totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Do they take special precautions around dogs? Like I've never done it. It terrifies me to think about. I mean, I've never had to do it. But um, it does. It terrifies me to think about putting my dog underneath on the plane. But do they do they do yes. anything for that? Yes. Yes. So much. Yes. I had the exact same feeling as you. Um there are there are only pets allowed on certain flights okay. because they have to have a special area that's kept at like normal temperature and cabin pressure and all that stuff. So, for instance, if a plane has a bunch of um, food and uh, produce and flowers, for instance, underneath, they don't need to deal with the temperature control. So that plane, that specific plane on that one flight will not have any animals. Mm. So they, there's a lot of like rules about that, which I had never heard of. But um, what we did was we hired a pet relocation company, of which there are many, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Who knew there was such big business in that? But they basically helped with all the paperwork, um, moving to the UK specifically, we had to worry about um, vaccines, and it's a big hassle. Wow, um, yeah. But um, but because, and I didn't answer this part of your question, because we're here for a few years, I mean, I was, of course, going to move him. Of course, yeah. If there had been any kind of quarantine, which they used to have in the UK, it was ended after 2012, I might not have moved him because I wouldn't have wanted him to be in quarantine for six months, which is what it was. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I know. As it is now, you just pick him up at the airport. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. So it's really easy in that way. Australia still has a quarantine and some countries do. <laughs> Well, that's a big subject for me just because it, it is really hard to be a traveler and have a dog. It's yeah. like the hardest thing about the whole thing. So <laughs> that was an important one for us. Sorry if you don't have dogs, no. apply it to your kids or something. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, awesome. So back to the position, because you yeah. said you were there for a few years. So they presented you with sorry, we're not going to bump your salary because the cost of living is the same, but here's your contract for three years kind of thing. We'll help you with your dog. We'll take care of your moving expenses. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I was specifically asked to take this one role for two years. Um, my, um, VR visas are three years and that's a pretty standard UK visa term. And does the company take care of that for you? Like help you do all that? Yeah. They do all of it because yeah, they're, you know, asking us, you know, we right. can still supply all the paperwork, but they'll pay for the visa. 
Um, the type of visa that most people get in the UK when they're expats allows for their partner to work in the in U in the UK. Oh, wonderful! So my husband, um, who left his job in New York when we made the move, he has he got a new job here um, after like six months or so. Was that hard for him? Yeah, well, it was hard because he wanted he didn't want to do what he was doing in New York, which was restaurant management. He's been in that world for like 10 years mm -hmm. and it's really terrible hours and you don't have weekends off. And of course, we want to travel on the weekends. So right. it took him a while to find something that was like, quote unquote, normal hours, um, but also in the food world, which tends to run on restaurant hours. Yeah, that's a whole nother, you know, can of worms. But um, yeah, so I we signed up for two years as okay. a starting point. But with that flexibility, with that extra year, so the my agreement with my work is two years, but our visa is three years. That means there's that kind of there's some wiggle room. So I'm not going to be kicked out of the country right next summer. And is, is nice. that how long have you been there? About a year. We've been here for um uh, about 14 months. Okay. And are you yeah. liking it? <laughs> I love London. <laughs> London's amazing. Yeah. Oh, um, cool. I won't do the comparison, the New York-London comparison. People ask me that all the time. I mean, I like London better, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, it's greener. People are really polite. You know, like, it's very British. Yeah. Very reserved. Very, like, there's less crazy. Um, the, weather, the weather is a little more temperate than the East Coast, which is where I was for so long. Um, but... And the proximity to everything else. Of course, that's like the biggest bonus. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. guess also one unexpected weird bonus is that from a business perspective, London is the center of the time zones. So we're five oh. hours ahead of New York, but we're also um, we're behind China. So I think like this part of Europe is really the only part of the world where in the morning, I am online the same time China is. But by the end of the day, San Francisco is working. So if you have some kind of global job, being in Europe is much easier than being in New York because of the time zone, which mm -hmm. I know is a total side note and like barely anyone cares about that. But it is an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's huh. interesting. Yeah. So do you have any advice for like the settle in period, which I guess that would be kind of the step four ish, you know, like getting there and how was that transition for you? Um, and how's like your apartment and stuff? What did they put you up in? So we can't, we found an apartment ourselves when we got here. Okay. Um, it's really cute and it has like our little square has like those old fashioned um, streetlights like in Mary Poppins. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like very Mary Poppins. Um, it is moving, like seriously moving to another country for real, which <laughs> is what this is, is tough in some ways that you just don't expect it to be like signing up for utilities. Mm. Um, You'd think, oh, it's London. Like, how difficult can it be? We all speak the same language. But the level of customer service varies from the U.S. pretty radically. Um, there's just, like, a lot of um, – it takes a while to understand, like, the lingo for things. Like, you ask for something, and they're like, what are you talking about? And you're mm -hmm. like, how are we – you know, I thought we were all 
you know, the same, but we're not. Um, <laughs> so the first like two months, it just felt like we were moving to a new country, which we were. But I think because of where we were moving, we didn't expect it to be like moving to a new country. Okay. It took me right. a while to feel like I wasn't going to get hit by a car going on the other <laughs> side of the road. But yeah. um, now, frankly, when I go home, I almost get hit by a car. Looking the, the opposite way. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the most confusing for me is when I was in London and you get to the street where it actually says, look, it says like, look yeah. left or something. Yeah, and you're like, like wait a second. What yeah. what am I supposed to? Because look left. Isn't that normal for us in the States? And like, so when you see it written, you're like, wait a sec, what's going on? Where am I again? You know, and yeah. usually it's because it's like just a bus lane or something. Right, but right. man, that threw me and the roundabouts. <laughs> There's so many. Yeah, they don't have stoplights here, really. I mean, I love roundabouts. Signs, but when yeah. you have to go the wrong way, it's so yeah. confusing. That's crazy. So do you guys have a car there? No. Okay, um, yeah. We, my husband just got his driver's license, which Again, because of like UK bureaucracy nuts, um, it took almost a, it took about a year to get wow. that. Like, there's so many steps; it's unbelievable. I mean, you could have a whole podcast dedicated to how to get your driver's license in the UK. Wow, it's insane. But um, he just got it. It's a kind of a hard driver's license to get. Like the test, the written, the driving test is like an hour long, and Oof. um. Like, I mean, much harder than the 15 minutes I remember yeah. when I was 16. Those uh, double decker red buses are so fun anyway. Like, why would you want to get a car? Why bother? It's also, yeah. exp- you know, they're expensive. Gas, of course, is really expensive. Yeah. Um, parking's a pain. Mm-hmm. And plus, you know, you just don't, it was like being in New York. You just don't really need it in London. So how, how many times have you been back to the U.S. since you moved? Just once. Just once. <laughs> we've had we've had a lot of people actually come here. Oh, um, good. As you can imagine, like the second, you know, it's funny when we were living in Portland, Maine, no one ever came there, and then of course we come. We, then we moved to New York, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, can I come stay with you? And now being so far away, um, people c- still come, but then they just like stay for like a week. So mm-hmm. we've both had almost all of our families. Almost everybody has come. Well, good. I'm glad. to. I mean, when you have an opportunity like that to go visit a friend or a family member in another country, you got to take them up on it. Yeah. That's when you got to go. I mean, if you have a free place to stay, especially in a place like London where it's expensive, you know, and you can get in with a local, you know, or an expat local there. That's a great opportunity. Good for your family and friends. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what about um, like... Do you think, could you see yourself doing this again in the future or would you want to stay at the end? Do you guys want to extend it or how do you think it's going in that sense? Um, so, yes. So, I, I mean, I'm, my, I'm pretty sure my parents will listen to this. So I have to be a little careful. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if we want to come back. Um <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> I know. So, yes, if we can extend this in London, um, we you can stay in London for up or in the UK for up to five years. You can renew your visa once. And um, so I guess six years maybe at the maximum without the country starting to be like, listen, if you're going to hang out here, you need to like, like really commit to it. Mm-hmm. So um, I know people who have extended it 
and in the five-year range kind of decide what they're going to do next. Because my company now knows that I'm kind of a willing participant in this move people around the world thing, Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping to go to maybe, if not right after this, then at some point, I would really like to live in Asia. Um, Our company has offices in a lot of places in Asia. Eventually, I think it'd be really fun to go to Africa, Hmm. um, which is kind of the next big booming area in like global economic development. But right now, it's still like our biggest places are in like Nigeria and South Africa. And I'm not sure that I'm like ready for that yet. Like that's like a huge move. That's like you know serious. So (laughs) um, I'm not just steps. Yeah. So um, yeah, I would love to kind of continue this. It's like the most amazing way of life, frankly. Mm -hmm. And it's like you, you know, it's so easy in a way that a lot of other ways of doing this are just more you know, kind of tough in a different way. Right. Because you're not giving up your job. You're not actually giving up your salary. You're not giving up your insurance. Like you're still being taken care of some of these big things that people worry about. Ooh, what about your place in the States? Um, Were you just renting or did you own? We were. So we were just renting. So we were able to just give it up without any issue. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, also, if you own your place, you don't have to give it up. Um, Depending on your company and like what they're, agreement is with you, they will pay sometimes for a property management company to rent out and manage your Mm -hmm. house so that you don't, someone else can rent it and you don't even have to deal with the day-to-day issue of it, which is nice. Um, And you can collect on that rent too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So if you, especially if you rent it over your mortgage, then like you just pocket the rest, I assume. Um, So that's really, some people do that. Um, a lot of the people I know here either sold their place to move here just to like have one less thing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Plus, they were saying, well, we don't want to have to feel like we have to move back to the same place. And if it's just sitting there, you know, it might be tempting to go back to wherever I was living before. Um, but yeah, we didn't have, we don't have um, a house just sitting there, but some people do. And I know a lot of people who've done that and it's definitely possible and your company should help you manage that too. Right. And that does make sense. Right. Right. Because they're asking you to leave it there. Yeah. So you guys are just like nomads now. You just, well, well we're here for now. We can go there next maybe. And yeah. I guess I, I like that you don't have something at home because what you said about being tempting to go back, you know, why not just keep going? Just go to the next place. And it's just like a continuing adventure. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I really hope that it all works out so like mm-hmm. nicely, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, it's really even... Um, and I think it's just like such an interesting thing. I mean, you lived in Costa Rica for a long time and, and Italy, right? Like, so yeah. you, I think when you live somewhere, it's just such an interesting thing to like get out of your own head about mm-hmm. living in the U.S. Like, okay, in my business, we care a lot about big retailers. So we, you know, in the U.S., we talked about Walmart all the time. And I come here and people are like, they know what Walmart is, <laughs> but they just don't care. Yeah. I'm like, how can you not care what Walmart is doing? <laughs> and they're like, what? You know, it's just like, oh, right. So, like, my U.S. business experience, like, isn't the, like, 
the center of the world like I thought it was. Right. And that can um, be translated to a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> a lot yes. of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's a really valuable, it's invaluable to have that perspective of not being the center which it's hard to even explain until you've experienced it. Right. Yep. Um, it's just such an automatic way to grow up in the States to think, oh, yeah, I mean, we are the center of the world, right? I mean, everything around you is telling you you are. And mm-hmm. so, like, until you, you know, that's also such a deep conversation, but it's really true. It, yeah. No, you're right on both parts. It is really deep. But I do think that it's part of like the self-discovery that comes with travel. You know, I mean, I definitely remember that part when I moved to Costa Rica and I was 18. And I mean, I didn't even really know what the U.S. culture was until I was able to see it from the outside with borders. You know, like I saw where it stopped and then I was like, oh, that's U.S. You know, that's culture. That's us. That's home. And this is here. And a lot of people don't care about that, you know. And but yeah, that's that's part of the the educational, I think, and discovery, the personal growth part of travel. So yeah, definitely deep, but also it it can't be avoided when you move overseas. So it's yeah. just something that you can look forward to learning yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I think that you know, I have always had this I like kind of dream to live like nomadically like and I just assumed it'd be this, you know, the way that a lot of people talk about it where you quit your job, you sell all your things, and you take off and you make it go last as long as possible. And that is something like that is so appealing to me. And and this way of living, it's not quite that. Like I still have a job. You know, I still mm-hmm. have to like be somewhere on Monday. But there is so much – I didn't realize that it would could feel in that kind of similar way as I, in my mind, I have this, that fantasy of like full-time travel, like Mm -hmm. this is like the next best thing. Plus, Mm -hmm. you know, you still like have all your benefits. (laughs) Right. So, you know, it's kind of a, it's an option for, I think it's an option for people who don't Mm -hmm. necessarily, who maybe have that same dream that I have. Yeah. It is an option without having to do that. I love that because I mean, corporate America is not where I am, but I think so many people like, especially people who listen to this podcast, like that is where they are, you know, or that's where they aspire to be. And that's, I mean, that's great. You know, I mean, building your career is really important and whatever, but it's showing an option. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who get into this rut, like, well, that can't ever be me because I have this job, you know, and more and more it's, it's on the rise that people are a quitting their jobs, but B like this, like, you were just saying these offices all over the world they've been established now like now is the time for this you know for now for these people in corporate America to take these opportunities and go abroad and so I love that this is like I love that this conversation is hopefully you know getting into people's brains like oh I this could be me I could do this because if my company offers this great and if not well what company does where can I look where I can move up and you know maybe move abroad after a year or two how long were you at the company before you went overseas um not uh two and a half years I mean that's not very much at all it doesn't take a lifetime to get to this point like you said it's not about seniority it's about I guess just what you do what you're doing in the company right so right and and it's almost like I remember when I was interviewing for places I would ask specifically like 
you know, I think it's a really common question in any job interview to say, what's a typical career path? But if you ask specifically, do you have opportunities or is it something that happens that you people move abroad Mm -hmm. within this role or within this division or within this company? Mm -hmm. I mean, and if it's really important to you, like you can ask that question and, you know, it's not like it's a secret. So even if it's not like explicitly written on a website, that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen all the time. Um, It's just something that, you know, they don't even need to mention because, oh yeah, we do that. We have 300 people who are in different countries right now. Right. What an awesome opportunity. Yeah. Definitely do it. (laughs) Yeah. What, um, what motivating advice would you give to people considering this? So I guess I would say it's about being intentional in a um, hopefully in a way that most people already are with their careers, but thinking like that two steps ahead. Um, if you know it's something that you want to do eventually, put yourself in the position where it can happen. Even if you're not exactly sure exactly how it will work out, if you're in a place where if you're if you work for a company which is never going to do it, well then it's never going to happen. So a lot of it's just like positioning yourself so that you're there when it's time and then making it known that you are interested. Mm-hmm. And then as long as you have some patience and you have the flex, you know, and you don't change your mind about it when it does come up, um that's how the best way to kind of just be sitting there ready to go when the call comes. happen. Yeah. And be ready to say yes. I guess that yeah. would be a big one. I guess you can right. always kind of think about it. What if, what if they asked me to go now, what would I have to do or be prepared for that in case it does happen? Right. For or when it does happen. It. Right. And think about it. Cause some people, if they actually were asked today, like they think in their mind, Oh yeah, I totally want to do that. But if I were to say to you, are you ready to go like in a month? Some people, you know, once push comes to shove, a lot of people are like, oh, wait, wait, you know, like my kids yep. need to finish up the school year mm-hmm. or, and I mean, those are all legitimate. I mean, I'm not, you know, like they're totally legitimate concerns and you can probably negotiate that, but it is something to think about. Like, would you really, are you ready to go when and if that happens? That's a really great point. You know, have that conversation with your spouse, make sure everybody's on the same page. If you have kids, talk to your family about it and just let it be an option that could happen. And then that would put you in an even more capable place to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell your dog, make sure that they'll understand that they might have to go to a different park. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This has been really awesome advice. Thank you so much for reaching out and for coming on to, to talk about this because obviously it's something I have just, I don't know about and I love the opportunity here. And I think a lot of people, um, are in place to make this happen already. Yeah. And I think that's like the key thing is like, there's like a lot of opportunities under people's nose now that they might just not have thought of before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although backpacking around the world, frankly, would be amazing too. So if you have that option, (laughs) go for that. (laughs) Hey, a leave of absence, right? Yeah, exactly. You can do that too. Right. Yeah. Well, Julie, thank you so much. So I know you guys blog, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. we do. My, my mom and dad are great readers. So, <laughs> um, no, the well, website yeah. is called um, driveontheleft.com. <laughs> Get it? Um, 
and you can see pictures of our dog. Drive on the left dot what? Com. Dot com. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to be reading because oh. I think your story is great. And I can't wait to see where you go next, honestly. I mean, I think that this is such a great opportunity. I love that you're in it. I know that so many other people are, you know. Um, yeah. You find them once you're overseas. Oh, you're doing this too? You're doing this too? Like how many people are doing this right now? It's such a great opportunity. So Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's definitely available for people if they want to go. All right, guys, that's yeah. your challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Julie. You're welcome. <laughs> and we'll talk to you later, all right? Okay, Okay. bye. So how many of you are going to reevaluate your work situation after hearing that one? Because I think it was super inspiring. She gave you the steps, you know, some things to start with. And I think that you guys can do it if this is your situation. If, if this is for you and you hear it, you know, calling your name, then do something about it. And then let us know how it goes. Um, because I'd love to hear about your successes. And going back to what I said at the beginning, you guys... I would, I want to hear about how you're making it happen. You know, just like Julie reached out and contacted me and listen to her story. Like she has something inspiring to share with all of us. And so if that's you, if you have a great story, don't be afraid to contact me, please let me know. Because if it's something that could benefit other people and help them, you know, to make travel happen, then I want to hear it. And so do they. And so please be bold. Send me an email. Let me know what you're doing. And, um, changing gears here a little bit. I have a special episode coming up for next week. It's actually the 30th episode, which is special for a couple of reasons. And you're going to find out why next week. So you don't want to miss that one. And lastly, if you have not taken a moment to give this show a review on iTunes yet, I would be super appreciative if you would take a minute and do that. Um, you can just do it through your iTunes app, either on your phone or on your computer. If you need help with that, then you can find instructions that I've made for you at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash podcast. And you can go straight to iTunes through thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash iTunes. So please leave me a review if you like what you hear, if you're feeling inspired. You know, this will keep the show going and keep me motivated to keep uh, creating awesome content for you guys. So thank you so much in advance if you do decide to leave me a review. And one more thing, you can find the show notes for this episode at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 29. I'll have the link there to Julie's blog, a little bit more about her and her husband and a little recap of everything that we went through today. So don't miss out on that. And uh, I'll see you guys for special episode number 30 next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.